Hello, everybody. This is Kevin Witham, and welcome to Season 2 of the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. In this season, we want to focus on practical discussions about unity within the Stone Campbell movement and beyond. Jesus valued unity and prayed for it, that we may all be one so that the world may know. We believe unity is best achieved through relationships rather than beginning with disagreements over doctrine, practice, or ideology. We value the gathering, breaking bread and sharing a cup of coffee or your favorite beverage. We invite you to gather with another Christian outside your particular family of churches and tell others that unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and let's get started with another episode of the Common Ground Unity Podcast. Welcome back to episode 73. I can't believe we're that far along in the Common Ground Unity podcast. We've had a lot of great conversations over the last year and a half, and we're going to continue our conversation with Marty Solomon today. Marty was with us last week, and he's rejoining us again. I just want to mention to our listeners, Tina Bruner has not uh, left our podcast. She's just taken a little break because of some work that she's been doing over in Eastern Europe. So uh, our best to Tina. She'll be back with us on our next podcast. But Marty Solomon is with us once again. And uh, Marty, uh, he is the the host and teacher on uh, the Bema Discipleship Podcast. Uh, You perhaps have have listened to him as he's helped to draw his listeners into a a deeper uh, reading of the Word, maybe a better reading of the Word, and more informed reading, and as a result, into a closer relationship with the living word, Jesus. Uh, So we mentioned the podcast. Uh, We'll mention it again at the end of our uh, series as far as where you can find that. But he is also the president and director of Impact Campus Ministries. He's a preacher, a teacher, an author. He uh, produces various digital resources for teaching and maybe you've heard him at a weekend seminar in your own city. He's got a speaking schedule on his website uh, where you can hear him perhaps in your own community. But Marty, we're glad to have you back with us. Thanks for joining us again. Well, uh, if you wanted to have me back, that's on you. So there you go. <laughs> it was good enough. We thought we got to have him back <laughs> and hopefully again in the future. Got a sure, lot more that we absolutely. can talk about than we can work into our podcast here. But uh We're going to start out on this particular broadcast with a quote from an article uh, that you wrote. It's an article from our uh, Common Grounds Unity uh, work called The Bones Are Good. And in it, you wrote the following. I personally believe there is a tremendous amount of evidence to show that there, referring to the early Christians, greatest commitment was to a peculiar unity an inclusive community of belonging that turned the secular status quo on its head. Could you expand on your thoughts a little bit uh, related to that quote and that essay? Yeah. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I got back from Turkey, and this is one of the driving things that we look at while we, were, while we are, in, are, are in Turkey. I think the evidence supports that the reason that the early Christian movement was so 
uh, successful. We see this in in early Christian writings. We see it from people outside of Christianity talking about Christianity. We see it in the archaeological evidence of the early communities. Um, but the thing that seems to stick out to this Greco-Roman world is this group of people that just have no that they, they have no uh, respect for the social class system that creates higher and lower and inside and outside and and you have this community that as Paul says there's no Jew or Greek or slave or free or male or female there are all those things all those distinctions are present and yet they have this common they have this common unity sorry to to plug the tie, the the name of your organization but they have this common <laughs> ground they have this common unity together they have this they call each other brothers and sisters no matter no matter their social status you have Epicureans referring to slaves and servants as brother and sister. That you don't do that. And the it is this, it is this whole new way of ordering themselves in a world that has worked very hard to very clearly make distinctions about how to order yourself. And there's a new household that's showing up in the corner of the Roman Empire. There's a new way of ordering themselves. And and it's this commitment to gathering around a common table, a Eucharist table bread and bread and wine and gathering together and saying this is this new thing that Jesus is building in the midst of this world and that and and it's and it, it shouldn't surprise us it's what Jesus said over and over again they'll know you're Christians by your love he prays in John 17 in one of our favorite passages about unity he prays that we would be unified because that is how the world will know that you sent me Jesus says like it seems to be, you look at Paul's letters, it seems to be that the testimony, not a side hustle, not a, oh yeah, that's a good point over on the back burner. The testimony that the early Christian movement has is this commitment to one another, this relationship and household that they're the spiritual house that God's building, which is a new temple because it's where God lives and it's bringing shalom to the chaos of empire and try as hard as the empire does to squash it and to squelch it, it just keeps growing all the more because of how good everybody realizes it truly is. So I started to wax eloquent there, there, but that's one of my favorite. Oh man, one I'm of my favorite in points. You. You're 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 resonating with us in common ground <laughs> unity, and yes. it's hard for me to understand how followers of Christ can't have a heart for this that is uh, so much about you know the mystery of god that was being disclosed in christ how he was going to bring us back to him and bring us together and remove all the barriers uh between men and women so man you're preaching to the choir here with some people that really uh, resonate with that uh you also wrote i gotta watch it i may get preaching myself we'll, we'll just <laughs> like amen that. each other like all it. right challenge accepted <laughs> all right you also wrote, um, this wasn't a cheap or shallow unity that wasn't willing to dig in deep to nuance or have differing convictions. The Hebraic culture of Paul that provided the bedrock for this burgeoning movement of believers was a culture that was unbelievably educated and used to the idea of differing perspectives and deeply held convictions. Uh, certainly, our current culture has major differences in perspectives and convictions. So help us to understand how Paul's Eastern Hebraic culture and mindset can help us better comprehend and embody unity as our Lord intends. 
Yeah, part of it was just the nature of of Judaism. And at the beginning of this, it was just a Jewish thing. It was just a Jewish family that these Gentiles were getting adopted into. There wasn't like the Jews and the Gentiles. It wasn't the Jews and the Christians. It was just Jews, of which some of them were Christians. That was your, you know, your original historical context. And it was this Jewish culture that had a peculiar uh, way about itself. The joke is that if you have, you know, you have five rabbis in the room, you have eight opinions. Um, <laughs> like they just, they disagree with themselves, let alone each other. And that's just a nature of, to this very day, that's true of Judaism. Like they're going to wrestle. They want to wrestle with each other. They want to wrestle with the Bible. They want to wrestle with God. Um, in fact, there's this great parable um, that's told. It might even be a modern parable. I'm not sure how far back it dates, but these two rabbis are, are arguing. They're having this huge disagreement. They argue every single day. They argue and they argue and they argue. Finally, God's had enough. He listens to this every day, has for years. And he's like, that's it. I'm going down. I'm going to settle this argument once and for all. I'm so sick of listening to this. So he goes down and he shows up and he says, I'm here. And they said, God, what are you doing here? I'm here to answer your your argument. I'm going to give you the answer so you can quit arguing. And they say, who do you think you are? You get out of here. We're having our conversation. I mean, that's just the nature of, <laughs> of Judaism, uh, the Judaism of the Bible. And what that means is like, when we talk about unity in our world, either we just don't pursue it or we argue against it, or the next step is to like accept this like shallow idea of unity, but that means we can't we can't talk about anything of substance. Can't talk about politics, can't talk about you know issues of justice or or race or any of like can't talk about any of that stuff because of unity. And so we we like exchange, but what you're reading about in the New Testament, like they're having deep theological there there's already a deep conversation about what do you do with these gentiles and hillel and shammai are weighing in on that and paul wades right into the middle of that and he quotes some of the greatest rabbis of their day to engage in a conversation about the place of gentiles and this thing that god is doing in the world and like they're not shying away from we're going to have unity in the midst of deep conviction in the midst of like really important issues and that we're even going to have meetings in Acts 15, the Jerusalem Council, where even the apostles don't agree. The 12 that followed Jesus have differing opinions, but we're going to figure this out together. And when we come out of this room, we will be united with a way forward because the Holy Spirit wants to do that in it. Like, they're not shying away from, this is not some shallow, tinny, glossy unity. This is deep meaningful, intentionally engaged unity. Hmm. We're reframing our ideas about unity would, uh, would certainly contribute to maintaining the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Uh, I'm wondering if misguided ideas of what the gospel is, has also contributed to a fracturing of fellowship, both within the Stone Campbell movement and beyond in the broader evangelical community. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think the answer is absolutely. And that's a lot of, it's just personal opinion. And I still feel like I'm trying to figure out how to talk about it in a way that doesn't undermine the very unity I'm trying to pursue. Cause it's difficult to, to talk about a gospel and what the gospel is without, without, you know, provoking, you know, deep convictions about how the gospel functions and, and what it is. My understanding uh, from a historical perspective, and it doesn't mean I'm right, but my understanding of what Paul understood the gospel to be, what Jesus understood a gospel to be, what the gospel writers understood a gospel to be, a euangelion, 
was something that they were used to. It was an, an announcement of a new king and a new kingdom. That's what a gospel was. They were The Greeks had been using it for centuries before the New Testament is written. Rome had been using it and employing it. Um, like I said, I just got back from Turkey. One of the places I take people to is a temple in Priena, where we found a plaque called the Priene uh, calendar inscription. And on it, it talks about the gospel of Caesar Augustus. Predates Jesus by a few decades. Um, uh, the gospels by a few decades, should I say more accurately. And the gospel is something they're used to. So they understand when they use the term gospel, what they're, what they're announcing is that there's a new king and it isn't Caesar. And there's a new kingdom and it isn't Rome. And that's why when we say earlier that their their fundamental testimony is unity, is this new household, the spiritual house that got, it's because that is, that is, I mean, that is in many respects, the heart of the gospel. That's what the new kingdom looks like. There's a new king and a new kingdom. And what it looks like is a whole new way of ordering ourselves. It looks like, a, this is what Paul says in Ephesians. Paul keeps insisting in Ephesians that the gospel is about a new humanity that Jesus is making one humanity out of two. So Paul literally connects the idea of bringing unity between Jew and Gentile, is what he's talking about, and that is for him central to what the gospel is. So yeah, the answer to your question is I I absolutely think it gets in the way of when we make the gospel just about a theological transaction, uh, 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 an intellectual assent to a belief where a substitutionary atonement transaction happens and now I get to go to heaven. Yeah, there's nothing in that that calls me to unity. There's no, In fact, that only fosters continued self-righteousness, continued I'm right, you're wrong. It, it doesn't actually call me to a Eucharistic community that the New Testament talks about at all. It just calls me to make sure I'm on the right team and wearing the right jersey. So I do think it's antithetical to, to unity. Well, and it's very individualistic. It in, is. In, instead of communal and what, what God's doing among us, not just in my life. Amen um, and amen. Um, you, uh, I take it, were introduced to the Stone Campbell movement and our restoration a heritage at Boise Bible College, I would, would imagine. Um, what, what do you love about that history and this particular movement? And if you had kind of a magic wand that you could wave that could lead us to a better future, what would that look like? What, what are your hopes and aspirations for it as a movement? Yeah. Well, um, as it was taught to me, uh, the movement was built on two pillars, Jesus and the Bible. Um, they also talked about two other pillars, unity and truth, but nevertheless, two, two pillars that were a part of our curriculum was, uh, was Campbell saying, if, if you give me Jesus, the lordship of Jesus and the authority of the scripture, I can worship next to anybody. And I said, good golly, that is an amazing, what an amazing, simple, pure ideal. Give me the lordship of Jesus and the authority of scripture, and we'll figure it out. I'll tell you what, as a campus minister, if you could give me that world again, college students would flock to that if you could if you could truly live that out now in the 100 years that followed we ended up creating a whole list of things that we but when they started like one of my, one of the most fascinating things is one of the most earliest arguments that our movement entertains is an argument about baptism with 
a group of reformers that want to hold on to infant baptism, and it is the Stone Campbell folks <laughs> that say, no, 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 like, well, don't leave. We'll figure it out. Like, I don't have to immerse. Like, as long as we have Jesus in the Bible, we'll be okay. And I just can't even imagine that kind of world existing today. Mm-hmm. Like, we were willing to even give up what today are the things that there's no way, no way. But in our earliest stages, we're like, well, we'll get where we need to get as long as we have Jesus in the Bible. But please don't leave. I want you in the room. I need you in the room because that's what unity, like we'll figure out the baptism thing, but I need you in the room. Like that kind of commitment to unity. Mm. Oh man, I don't, I just don't find that anywhere. And we are the right movement to this very day. We're still the movement that's built to run on that fuel. We just keep putting the wrong fuel (laughs) into our movement, but we are built for it, man. We are built for it. And we, it's, it's just right around the corner. It's right there. It's so close. I can smell it. Our, uh, our world is becoming increasingly polarized, particularly here in the United States. Why is it increasingly important for Christians to really embrace biblical unity at this particular point in history? Well, I, there's, I'm not sure if there's a more in my lifetime, I'm just not sure I've ever seen a more fertile time for when unity would be so powerfully, we are more, but like we're more polarized, we're more bifurcated, we're more divided than ever. So what better time for unity? It would stand out. It would be, it would be so peculiar. It would be like every time I come back from Turkey, but even more so right now in 2022, I always tell all these trip participants like what you just saw, tell me America's not just like first century Rome. Tell me there's not a million ways that we are in the exact same situation. And now tell me that what the early Christians wouldn't work just as well in our world today. Um, I, I just can't, and I, man, I don't want to say it couldn't get, it couldn't get any worse because I'm sure it could. I'm sure it could get a lot worse, but man, what a time for the gospel and by that, I, I mean like this this new humanity, a Eucharistic community. What a time to be alive. What a time for that to work, where you could look at people and be like, yeah, that person's a Democrat, that person's a Republican. They break bread all the time, and they're, they're deeply convicted. Again, not shallow. They're deeply convicted about the things that they're, but they, but they have an even deeper identity in the Christ that holds them together. The, the world would be like, I don't even know, how do you do that? Because one side says cancel each other. The other side says they're the greatest demonic threat ever. And and yet we have a world where we put the two together. The world wouldn't even know what to do with that. They would, they would be like, what is that? We would say it's the gospel. It's Jesus. And always has been. Like that's, it's what always. <laughs> yes. It's been it. It's been it. Well, people are so weary and so, so tired with the, polarization and the anger, uh, that, that wouldn't it just be such a compelling thing in our communities that people could see that, that person, Jesus, that, that breaks all the barriers down and creates a love that's impossible any other way and, and brings a fellowship that couldn't be had through any other means. I mean, what a powerful witness to our Absolutely. world today. Yep. Marty, brother, it has been good to have you with us. We, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. Um, and, and I hope our listeners 
uh, have got a, a good picture of um, not only your thoughts, but some of the ways that they can access uh, some of the things you're offering as far as teaching. I want to mention a few of those ways again. I did at the end of our last podcast, but I want to do it again now and then give you the opportunity to share any thoughts that you'd like uh, to end our discussion with in just a moment. But I want to mention first uh, the Bama Discipleship Podcast. By the way, share with our listeners where that title comes from. Yeah, so Abima, um, we say Bama, it doesn't matter. It's all, it's all, it's all wrong. It's all right. Um, <laughs> and uh, but the Bema is the elevated platform in the center. It's a lot of things. It's any raised platform in the Greek or in the Hebrew. A lot of people talk about the Bema judgment seat of Christ. Um, we're actually talking about when we use it, the elevated platform in the center of an ancient synagogue. It's where you would read the Bible from. You would read it on the Bema, and that Bema would sit in the center with the community gathered around it because you wanted the text, the Bible, to be the center of your community. And our heart is that we would bring a better reading of the Bible. So we want the Bible to be central to everything we do. And so we we call what we do uh, Bema Discipleship because we just want it to be centered around the text. We believe in the power of that Bible. I'm glad you uh, straightened out the pronunciation of that. I've said it Bema all my life, and, and I've been hearing it on your podcast, Bema. So either way is correct. You know, when We're we gonna... say it wrong in 2016, and all of a sudden we realize that we've been saying it wrong two years later, it's hard to change. So we just go with it. You just roll with it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Love that. So uh, BemaDiscipleship.com, that's where you can find the seven seasons. And uh, you, you got a commitment to keep running with that. You're going to go into an eighth when the seventh is over. You know, we're actually in six right now, and we're probably going to, six has gone on forever. We'll probably do, I always joked I didn't want to do a seventh because I wanted to save, my clever idea was if we ever did decide to stop, I was going to announce session seven, and then just like the seventh day of creation, there would just be nothing there. <laughs> and it would just be the Sabbath end to what we did. But my, oh, I might be getting nice. too clever because we're now we're now too many episodes in. We may have to do a launch session seven here soon in the next year or two. But yeah, we, well, we don't I, have any plans to stop. I had that wrong. Maybe the number seven just features so prominently with Sabbath and all. I, I, I had know. you at seven seasons already. Yeah, I know. Well, you can also go to martysolomon.com uh, for other resources, uh, for in, information on uh, impact uh, Campus Ministries, impacttheu.com uh, to get more information. Then I th- you've got a YouTube channel as well, do you not? What is the name of the YouTube channel? Yeah, my my handle there is covered in his dust with uh, uh, periods in between. Covered period, end period, his period, dust. But you can get that off my website, martysolomon.com. All right. Well, Marty, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we get away? Not necessarily. Just one closing thought of hope. I mean, because I get pretty discouraged, to be honest. And when you're when you're thinking about unity, it seems like so, so far away. Like, will we ever taste and see this? And I have to remind myself that this thing that we talk about, the early church started with 11 guys and a handful of ladies. Mm. It doesn't take much. Um, it just takes a couple handful of people to show the world what it looks like, and more and more people start coming. So that's what I have to tell myself sometimes. That's what I would tell your listeners too. This is worth it. And we don't have to have some major amazing program. Just a handful of people will get this thing done. Amen. Jesus never prayed for anything that wasn't possible with God. That's absolutely Uh, right. So love that. Um, Marty, 
if our motto on here is unity starts with a cup of coffee. And by that, we mean um, it's, it's relational. And one of the best ways to build bridges to one another is to have conversations, get to know that brother or sister that might be across the street or across town. If I were to, to come to Cincinnati and have a cup of coffee with you, I guess first I should ask, do you drink coffee? And if you do, how do you take your coffee? Um, there, everybody should drink coffee. And yeah, I take amen. it black, and that's the way that it, you don't, me- as long as it's good coffee, which, yeah, you don't, you, yeah, good cups of coffee, that's the secret to life right there. Well, you, you know, you wouldn't believe how many guests we've had who say, I don't drink coffee. I mean, I've had to question ba- their baptism all along Yeah, the way. absolutely. But- <laughs> question everything they said. <laughs> absolutely. Well, Marty, it's been so good to be with you. want to encourage our, our listeners to Tune in to the Bema Discipleship Podcast and access some of the resources that Marty has. We're going to be back next week with another Common Grounds Unity Podcast and another discussion, so please join us then. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. You can subscribe to the essays, join our Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. And please check out the gatherings page where you can connect with other unity-minded Christians in your area. If you can't find a gathering in your area, we can help you start one. It's not difficult or time-consuming, and we'll help you out along the way. It really does simply start with a cup of coffee. If you want to volunteer or ask questions, please email john at commongroundsunity.org. And lastly, we need your help by donating to this ministry of reconciliation. Your donation is tax deductible. Links for donating are in the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.